Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American Fan Service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. the stateside madness podcast by american fans for american fans of the band madness i'm Lori. i'm paulie and we are here with some friends today we've assembled a small group of american madness fans from different places around the country and we've asked them to come on to our podcast today to talk a little bit about being a fan of madness in america so thank you all for coming Introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and how did you discover Madness? Well, my name is Mo. I'm from Land Lakes in Florida, which is just north of Tampa. And basically how I discovered Madness initially was uh, my father used to get like Newsweek magazine or Time, and they had in 1980 an article about Madness or about one of their first album. And I saw the photo of them doing the Nutty Train, <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, who are these guys? And around the same time, they appeared on American Bandstand. And so that, that was well before we got cable and MTV. So that was my first exposure to them and I was hooked. <laughs> so. Awesome, very cool, thank you. All right, Jay, do you wanna introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from and how did you discover Madness? Yes, my name's Jay. I'm from Lake Worth, which is in South Florida. And I discovered Madness when I was 16 years old, which would have been uh, right around 1981, uh, up in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia. One of my friends uh, just happened to say, you need to hear this new album. And at that time, it was um, Madness 7 was the first album that got me hooked on them. So it was their third album. And I was just instantly hooked to the sound from this from this band, and uh, not just the sound, but their their personalities and just everything that went along with them. And I've been hooked ever since. And so that was uh, Madness Seven was my uh, indoctrination into Madness. Well, that's interesting too because Seven wasn't released in the United States, so your friend must have uh, bought it as an import, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We had a, a very good record shop at the time near us that had a lot of imports, and that's how I continued to feed my madness appetite at the time. Awesome, cool. 
All right, um, Bobby. So Bobby is actually also a member of the Stateside Madness Admin Team. Bobby, do you want to intro introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from and how did you discover madness? Uh, sure. Hi, uh, Bobby from Dayton, Ohio. Um, I think like a lot of U.S. fans, I discovered Madness when the song Our House was released. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people like me. And uh, I was hooked on the sound. I was hooked, you know, I, I just loved that song. And I remember going down to my local record store and finding one of those, um, one of those KTEL, you know, compilation albums. And it had a whole bunch of the, of the most popular songs of the day. And, uh, you know, as soon as I saw that Our House by Madness was on there, I, I immediately bought it. And, it. and it also had another, it had Promises, Promises by Naked Eyes, which I also liked a lot at the time. Um, and so I've, over the years, I've become a Scott fan and I've become, um, you know, interested in listening to, going back, I guess, and listening to, to catalogs of things. And, and Madness is one of the bands that I have uh, listened to and very much enjoy. Uh, great band. But my first exposure, as I said, was typical, I think, of most Americans or a lot of Americans, and that was uh, Our House. But Bobby, you're in a band too, right? Well, <laughs> I have just, I have just started a, a band. It's called Rude, Rude Scholar is the name of the band. It sounds like a ska band. We're actually not a ska band. Um, I'd say we're more kind of an alternative 80s, 90s sort of band. Um, but um, really I do more than, more than that is that I write music. I write songs. I write lyrics especially, but um, I've been writing songs for several bands. And um, so I, I a band. I don't think that's my strength. My strength, I think, is writing songs rather than singing songs. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, Kathy, hi. Please introduce yourself and tell us how did you discover Madness? Well, I'm Kathy. I'm currently located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I originally grew up in central Washington State. And I discovered Madness, like a lot of American Madness fans, on MTV when I was about 16 or 17 years old in my very isolated small hometown in central Washington state. So the sound that we think of as ska or two-toned was completely unknown to me before then. But what I sensed in it were well, seven extremely attractive boys, not that much older than me, who were both playful and musical and had a modern sound to them. But I sensed that they were all classically trained because both my parents were classical musicians and I just heard that in their sound. Now I know Mike Barson is classically trained and possibly Tamo, but I don't think everybody, and obviously Sugg's mother was a jazz singer. So they had all those influences in their music, but I was just attracted to that. So the first songs I remember hearing quite endlessly on repeat on MTV were One Step Beyond and Baggy Trousers. Great, thank you. So I just enjoy them. Cool. All right, Diane. Hi. Hi, Lori. So it's gonna be a little different because yes, I heard them on MTV at other people's houses, but I didn't actually purchase any madness until I was in my late twenties. So I'm a late bloomer for the group. <laughs> And I admit this wholeheartedly. One of my friends would always, in uh, long car rides, 
want to play Madness. I'm like, I don't want to hear our house. I, it, it's the only song I knew. And she's like, no, just put it in the CD player. Let's listen. And there we go. All, all of a sudden I was hooked. She got me completely into them. She bought me the um, three disc compilation uh, business as a gift after she knew that I liked them. And I started buying everything I could find. Lori knows my story, but not everyone else does. <laughs> I keep blushing. Well, um, do you remember what the album was, Diane, that, uh, that your friend played in the car that turned you on or? Uh, yeah, it was actually business. She had all three discs in the car and she'd say, put on disc two. No, no, put on disc three. They're funny. Listen to them talk. And hearing the interviews in between the songs made it all the more entertaining me. And it also happened to be like, right when I was getting divorced. Mm -hmm. So I had this happy, upbeat, fun. Even with depressing topics, the songs were fun. Okay. It was, it, it just, that's what it means to me. It always makes me happy. So just a question for the group then. How much time do you spend explaining who Madness is to your peers or potentially to folks that are younger than you? Great, great question, Polly. Well, I was just saying that at any kind of meet and greet event, such as I started a new job recently or every time I, the team restructures, we all have to reintroduce ourselves. I often explain that I'm a big fan of the band Madness from England, from which I usually hear crickets from my coworkers, many of whom are significantly younger than myself, but even from people my own age, until I tell them that Madness is famous for that song, Our House. And if I sing a bar, then they all go, oh, we know who you are, but really them? And then I have to explain, they've got this whole back catalog. That's just the one you know is the most popular one, but they've got this rich history, several albums uh, with diverse sounds on them. And that I'm a fan of the whole band, not necessarily of that one song that they know as a, as a point of reference. Very good. Uh, hey, Bobby, did you have anything to add? Yeah, so um, I think I find myself explaining to people just about every day what ska is in general, and then inevitably that leads to, to madness as well. Um, it, mostly with my students. I'm a university professor, and um, a lot of the classes that I teach uh, are, are in the honors program, and, and I like to teach classes that have something to do with music if I can. And, and one of the classes I, I'm teaching right now and I frequently is about um, literary references in rock and roll. Um, but we, we, 
but we kind of get more into the, the history of rock and roll as well and not just about literary, literary references in, in the music. Um, and so Sky will come up, Madness will come up, and, and I find myself explaining to my 18 and 19 year old students, you know, what that is. Um, sometimes I have to kind of talk about bands like, um, oh, Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake, and then they start to understand kind of what I'm talking about, and then I can kind of go back a little further to, to Madness and the specials and the beat and, uh, and introduce them to the genre that way. So I would say almost every day I'm probably explaining to somebody at the very least uh, what Sky is and, and then, you know, who Madness is. the opportunity to see madness live before and if so was it in the united states or did you have to travel well maybe, maybe i'll take this one I've, I've seen them twice in my lifetime and the first first time i saw them both times were actually in philadelphia in uh in pennsylvania the first time i saw them would have been in 1983 for their rise and fall tour and it was at a small venue called the Trocadero in Philadelphia. And maybe the place could fit maybe, maybe less than a thousand people is probably maybe more towards 500 or so. And uh, they weren't quite as famous yet because I think uh, our house had just been released and this was in 83. They're obviously touring for this. And I was already a fan from Madness 7. And when I saw them in concert, I have to admit, I wasn't very impressed with their sound. They didn't seem very polished at all. I know, I was really shocked because I was a huge fan. So fast forward now to 1999, and I, they, they again came to Philadelphia, and this would have been um, uh, for their, uh, it was, I think it was called their, their Maddest Show Tour. And uh, this time I saw them, it was a larger venue, maybe, uh, maybe two or 3,000 people, and they were phenomenal. They were just fantastic. And I always kid around with my daughter, who's now 21. My wife at the time was pregnant. And so I always kid my daughter, because she knows I'm the, like one of the biggest fans for Madness, that she was there for one of the concerts, at least. So, so she got to experience however she could, <laughs> not being born yet. But uh, the second time I saw them, I just loved seeing them in concert. They were, they were incredible, really entertaining, just a joy to listen to and a joy to be there, too. How about everybody else? I was going to say, actually, I have not been to any of their concerts. I bought tickets for this year that are moving over to next year. However, I did try to go to the concert that was in Daytona in 83. I came from a very dysfunctional family, and I tried to um, basically hitchhike to the gig and didn't make it. Unfortunately, I got stuck. But from everything I heard, it was a very ill-fated gig. So it was probably a good thing I, you know, didn't arrive for that. So. Hmm. Mo, which, uh, which concert are you hoping to go to next year? Which well, show? we um, got the tickets for Boston and also for the, the big event in November. Oh, the one in the House of Fun Weekender? 
yeah, the House of Fun uh. Weekender. So, because we got we got the House of Fun Weekender because we were, you know, with everything that was going on for this year, we were up in the air. Mm -hmm. So we bought the tickets for Boston for next year, thinking, well, if they cancel the event, there's no telling they're going to flip the House of Fun over to next year. So we got the Boston. So we're winding up doing two concerts in one year. So. Oh, cool. So for, um, for many of our listeners who might not know what the House of Fun Weekender is, it's something that they've done, I don't know, like four or five years now, right? It's uh, well, uh, nine. No, the thing nine? is, this is going to be the 10th year. Oh. Yeah, the 10th year is going to be the final one. Okay. All right. Well, so they do this. It's uh, um, in Minehead at a place called Butlins, which is like a family resort type place that is usually, you know, it's the off season. CD rundown. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's what I've heard. That's what I've heard too. Um, but they, they basically, they rent the place for the entire weekend and Madness plays. Uh, sometimes they, they do some of their more obscure stuff on the Friday night show. Um, they also, you know, bring in other bands that are sometimes related. And Diane, you, you, you know where I'm I've going with twice. this. You've gone twice. And um, one of those I've times... gone to Butlins twice. And I had the reaction from Customs going into England. Why are you traveling here to go to Butlin? I said, for <laughs> madness. They go, but they play every month. You could see them anywhere. Want to come to say hi? In the United States. Mm -hmm. Right? So I couldn't see them in the United States. I had time off work. I needed something to cheer me up. And I actually messaged Lori saying, would I have fun going to the House of Fun? And did alone. you? And... Oh my God, I had the time of my life. Yeah. The Friday night, it's the, I'm in heaven, I'm watching Madness. And lo and behold, I'm looking at Facebook and everyone saying it was a horrible show. But I, lo I, was, I was miserable on the verge of tears. What do you mean it was horrible? It was the best thing I've ever seen. I'm skulking around and I ran into some girls that I had met um, on a bus going all the way down to Somerset to Minehead. And I hung out with them and we were having fun and drinking and dancing and listening to Scott and listening to the um, DJs. And I ended up meeting my future husband that night. And that's the story that Lori knows. Yes. I just I just think that's so awesome that you met your husband at House of Fun. At a madness concert. Yes. And Scott isn't even his thing. That's his brother's thing. Really? Yeah, he, he's more of a Bowie fan than a he, he likes Scott, but it's it's his brother's idea to go. So it was definitely fate then, wasn't it? It most certainly was. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> So I got to see Madness on the Friday, the Saturday, and then the following year on the Friday and the Saturday. It was, and now I'm going to see him in Vegas if that actually happens. 
I'm hoping to go to Vegas too, if it actually happens. I mean, I'll be honest with where we are with the pandemic right now. I'd be very surprised if it's still going to happen, but yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm concerned about Boston too. Yeah. yeah. So I've been holding off. We have not bought tickets for precisely that reason, but man, I really, Diane, if, if Vegas happens, you and I are going. If Vegas happens, that's my wedding anniversary. Right, oh. we, we met in November, and by the following May for Punk Rock Bowling, we were married. We got to see the specials. He got to see, I think, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones might have played. So he got to see other, other things. He was happy. He got to see the Damned. He knows the Damned. He knows, but you know, knows of, I should say. So we really just had the best time. Oh, that's so and, cool. and it's our anniversary. That's so so cool. we were gonna go back this year for madness in our first anniversary and things didn't work out that way. Well, who wants to follow that? That's a pretty hard act to follow there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who else is uh, who else has been able to see Madness live? Nobody? Bobby, you haven't been able to see him live yet? I have not, and I've been so looking forward to seeing them. And I do have tickets for both Boston and New York. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed that it happens in 2021. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll see. But I've, I've really been looking forward to seeing them. I, I've watched a lot of uh, clips online of them, you know, live. And, and it looks like they just put on an incredible show. And so I'm, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing them. Well, so something else I think we should note too, just in case anybody who represents the band happens to be listening, none of the people on this podcast are anywhere near the cities that you guys are touring in. We all have to travel a very, very significant ways. For me, it's going to be a four-hour flight. Um, so we yeah. would love it. We would love it, Madness, if you guys would come to some other locations besides the East and West Coast. Right, there are a bunch of us here in the Midwest, right? Um, Kathy, you're in the Midwest with me. I know we've got a few people here in Florida, which is, yeah, East Coast, but that's nowhere near New York or Philadelphia or Boston, right? So um, it would be really, really nice if you guys would uh, consider the rest of us when you're planning your future tour gigs, just saying. <laughs> I think a lot of people in England completely forget that square miles wise, our state is about the same size as their country. Not population wise, but north to south, nine hours, that's it. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're right because I had a, a friend that I met in one of the madness groups once uh, message me and say, hey, I'm gonna be in Houston. Can I pop by and see you? And I'm in Chicago. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> that is not, that is not a, a day trip kind of thing. So yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, anybody well, else? Well, I, well, I, I was going to say though, also my understanding when they did the tour in 83 down and they did like two, three days in Florida from everything I read, apparently it was not a good setup for the guys. They had a lot of problems and I think that kind of colored their perception mm -hmm. of the state. So yeah. if anybody yeah. their representation is listening, please come back. <laughs> it always seemed to be like, it's it always been 30 seemed to be, plus years. <laughs> it was like they really tried hard in the early to mid 80s, I think, to break into the states, and they mm. just were never quite accepted. 
And I hate to say that they gave up, but they're just, that effort never really resurfaced again, it seemed, after that, that time period. Well, and from everything I've read in interviews, they don't necessarily like going, they didn't like leaving their homes for very long. And I think just because of the whole geographical spread, you know, and it's sure. taking them away for weeks or months, it was a bit much for them. Yeah. Well, so. And, and I think I had read somewhere too that they had said something about, you know, like the uh, American fans when they were playing these smaller shows in the early 80s would be like playing pool or talking to each other rather than actively watching the band. And actually, that's kind of true. You know, if it's a, a smaller venue, you're not always there just to see the band. A lot of times you're there to socialize and stuff like that, too. But they're no longer, you know, this little, you know, podunk club scene, I don't think. So come back, please, please. All right. Oh, this, this is pretty easy. And maybe a few people have already answered this. But um, why don't we just ask, how much does madness work into your uh, a daily life or maybe weekly life? Is it sort of a, a constant with you folks? Do you listen to them every day? Something like that. Anyone? I take control of the speaker system in the OR, so they're on for at least a short <laughs> period of time every day. I do try to compromise and find things that other people like too, <laughs> but they're on for at least an hour every day at work. I, I'd say it's on, it, it's on in my car and at home. I think at work, uh, a lot of the docs in the ER tend to play music when we're working, but the, sta the staff tends to be a lot of younger people in their 20s, and I think it just would not go well <laughs> uh, when you're in the busy ER having to listen to it. So I kind of keep it to myself. I, I can when I was uh, working I, from the office, sorry. I did listen, and running my teenage son to different appointments and school-related events, I had the Madness compilation CD set in my car. So I always had one of those discs in my car. Uh, but since February, my car literally keeps dying in my, uh, on my driveway because I'm not driving it. And although before that, at one point, I'm my, driving my son to an appointment and the son's saying, uh, don't forget. And my teenage son said, the broken window TV set, really? And so I did start swapping out other music in my car after that. On that note, my older daughter actually doesn't like madness because one day she randomly asked me how grabbing someone by the ear could make them unable to talk. So I reached out my hand and showed her. I was afraid of that. <laughs> now she knows. Well, all right, Lori, how about back to you? Okay. Um, so 
I'm going to ask everybody in the group to tell us your favorite, well, I guess your favorite single by Madness, but then also I want to hear your favorite like deep album track that maybe only hardcore fans would really know, you know what I mean? So your favorite single and then your favorite deep album track. So Mo, favorite, favorite Madness single and favorite Madness deep album track. I would say One Step Beyond for the single and deep album track, I would say Fireball XL5. Oh, you and Polly have that one in common. All right. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah, I love Fireball. <sighs> I saved a little bit of money from Christmas come while my birthday nearly due. I'm dressing up as guy in a shopping arcade of a penny for a boy named Blue. I see the advertised on TV show flashed up on the evening news. My local MP said I should grin and bear it, but I'd rather go and blow her fuse. Okay, um, so moving down the list then, uh, Jay? Probably since my, the original album I discovered them with was Seven, I would have to say Cardiac Arrest as my, uh, probably my favorite release of theirs that was popular. And as far as something really obscure is, uh, and I'm a big Elvis Costello fan, and so Tomorrow's Just Another Day where they have a guest vocalist of Elvis Costello singing it. I don't know if everybody's familiar with that version of it, it's a, it's a very jazzy version of Tomorrow's uh, Just Another Day. It's on a, I actually have a, all my albums here, but it's actually on this one right here. And on the back side of this EP, they have the, uh, a version sung with Elvis Costello in there though. And it's, it's an excellent, excellent version. Thought I'd done my best All my life I can't get no rest Some who've closed the door before Say I can't carry on no more I hear them saying tomorrow's just another day Okay, uh, Kathy, favorite Madness single and favorite Madness well, deep album track. I'd have to say that as an American, I'm not really conscious of which of their songs were released as singles. Because I know what I saw on MTV, I'm going to assume each of those was released on singles in like 1982, 83. Uh, I did really like House of Fun. This was just playful. And River Nile. Nightboat to Cairo. Nightboat to Cairo. Yeah. Nightboat to Cairo, yeah. I did like that too, so I'm hoping it was released as a single, and it did get a lot of MTV play. But it's going to be really hard for me to pick a cut that I'm aware of. Whether or not it was ever released as a single in Britain, I really wouldn't know. But okay. probably Dip, Drip, Dead, Drip, Fed, Fred. Okay. Or the Wizard. Or the Communicator. Wizard or Communicator or Drip, Dead, Fred. Drip, <laughs> Drip, Fed, Fred. We want Freddy for a leader. Freddy is a man of class. We want Freddy for a leader. 
gonna have to say I, I don't know which songs I, I'm gonna have to agree I don't know what's considered a deep cut and what was a single okay, okay. you know it, it but yeah Sun in the Rain is definitely my favorite it, it, it makes me laugh because you have little scraps of brain washing down the drain thinks about that something i figure everything that i've seen at their show is probably something that was released at a say as a single okay everyone likes fireball x and i i understand i i love the song it's fun but i never thought of it as obscure because it was on my singles compilation three uh, cd set. so okay. i don't think of it that way okay but other people <laughs> okay how about you bobby uh, well, as, as I uh, had previously butted in there, I like uh, Nightboat to Cairo very much. That's probably my favorite uh, single by them. And then I don't think it's a deep cut, but I guess a lesser known for probably U.S. audiences anyway is um, I like Victoria Gardens, um, probably because Dave Wakeling sings on there and I'm a huge, huge fan of English beats. So um, love that song. Teach 
question uh just real another real simple one who's kept their madness stuff from the 80s records that... posters anything oh yeah i have i have some magazines i have uh, i actually have the one book about stiff records that i bought when i went up to pennsylvania i i also still have a pin that's like the uh the cover of their compilation album madness and I still have the pin from them also. So I don't know how I managed to keep that stuff, especially that pin with how tiny it is, but I have it. I made the big mistake of when CDs became popular in the late eighties, early nineties to get rid of all my vinyl. And I, I regret that day. And, and then I purchased everything on CD uh, as it became available. And then probably about five or six years ago, or maybe even a tiny bit longer, I started rebuying vinyl again. And so I've been able to repopulate my collection of every, of every major album that they have, plus a lot of other obscure things I have on vinyl. So I'm kind of proud to have accomplished that, but I have lost everything that I had originally. I still have a few small tour posters from back in the day, some I have framed, uh, but it's, uh, I, I think in that young mind, when I was in my teens and 20s, I just didn't have the forth, foresight to see how I'd still be listening to them decades later. I'm just gonna admit out loud, my ex-husband's second wife has every album and or cassette that I would have owned. I had them on a couple compilations, but I, I have no access to any of that now. Sounds backwards, doesn't it? Not the ex-husband. His second that's, wife has everything. Oh, that's terrible. Diane, if it, if it makes you feel better, um, I lost all my records over Christmas break my freshman year of college because I had been hanging out with this group of guys and we'd party and play records and I brought my entire record collection over and they did come back for the second semester and they left with all my records. Oh, that, that's terrible. That's even worse than my story. <laughs> and, and, and much like Jay, I've been buying my childhood record collection back. It's amazing how you can buy your childhood back, isn't it? I certainly didn't have, one, I wouldn't have had the money, but two, as an American Madness fan, especially in the early 80s, as a 16 or 17 year old watching Madness on MTV, budget tapes and records wasn't going to have Madness items at, you know, in my small hometown. I just didn't have, I didn't know there were Madness things you could buy. I, I think that's a big difference. Yeah, growing up in a big city as opposed to not in the city at the yeah, time. Though. Yeah, we wouldn't have had any of that. Yeah, I was lucky to have like a decent records, chain record store where I was at, which wasn't a bigger town. But what I wound up doing, we didn't have much money. I wound up saving up my lunch money. I would just go without lunch 
and use my lunch money and buy the albums, the magazines, et cetera, when I could. So. Well, I can honestly say when I was in high school, I worked at a record store and I can honestly say I never once saw anything by madness at this record store. And this was in a suburb of Chicago. So I, I think it, it was very, very hit or miss. Very, still is difficult as, as an American fan to come buy stuff. I find I'm ordering a lot of uh, imports from overseas. That's probably true of most of you as well. Yeah. I, I think whenever I travel to a city, one of the things I always make sure I do is find the, the local used record store. And it doesn't matter where I go or what I'm there for. That's always a little side trip I do. Who who's your favorite band member, or who do you relate the best, or who do you relate the most to in the band? Who's your your favorite of the seven? Do I have to call on everybody? Lee let me sit on his lap and take a photo, so he has to win. And you know I'm so jealous because you've met my hero. You have met Lee, and I have not, and you know how jealous I am of him. And that. it was hilarious knowing that he, you know, was a thief as a very young man. Trying to get the photo with him, he gets annoyed because my husband doesn't know how to work my phone for the camera. He grabs it, puts it in his pocket, and walks away. And I'm running after him, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> he sits down, pulls me on his lap, and hands the phone to someone else at the table. It was, it completely changed who I thought was the most entertaining, personable, funny. And then I started reading more and more and more about him because, oh my God, I didn't realize he had such a great personality. So. Okay. All right. So Diane and I both like Lee. Um, <laughs> how about you, Mo? I don't necessarily have a I like all of them, each for their individual qualities. Um, I will say, in some ways, the, the biggest standout for me, though, was Chaz. So, but other, and it was beyond, it wasn't just this, it wasn't anything to do with him being the second singer or anything. It was, I actually liked his, his voice when he sang, especially on the Mad Not Mad album, and his songwriting. Uh, how about you, Kathy? Well, that's a completely unfair question. Oh, why? To say who I relate to the most in all of madness. Uh, as a teenager, again, early 80s, uh, if you just watched those videos from that era, Suggs and Barzo were always out front, so you noticed them more. And I kind of saw them as the face of the band. But as I became a fan again, and it's kind of a long story, after the year 2010, and up till recently, and really getting that compilation album and being able to listen to all of the tracks that I just didn't have access to before. I also find myself listening for Chaz. It's like I want to hear more from him. He doesn't get the lead often enough. And his solo works as well. I mean, he's, he's nutty and funny in Madness, and yet in some of his solo works, he can really get kind of more down into despair. I feel like I'm seeing a broader range from him that I'm being, that I'm being allowed to see from any of the other members. You know, no, I agree. His solo album was awesome. Well, and, and it's interesting. It's interesting too, because now that I'm thinking about it, their last album, that's what was missing. It was Chaz. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's why, I, I mean, I, I, I was kind of disappointed by that last album. 
but I think that that I miss have hearing him, hearing his voice. You know. Though I though I will say I also like Lee's singing voice. Oh yeah. Some of the stuff in the early albums and everything, I'm surprised he hasn't done more singing in the band too. Okay. So. He really stands out when it's Lee because you think, oh, well, this is really different. This is different than all the other tracks on this album. Yes. Let's hear from the guys. Uh, Bobby, Jay. All right. Well, so I think the question was, who do we most relate to, right? That was... Well, either, either favorite band member or who you most relate to, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so I think my answer is probably Suggs, and it's probably because I tend to be sort of an outgoing, you know, front man kind of that's that's sort of my personality it might have something to do with my career um you know being in front of people all the time so i i think Suggs is who i at least relate to the most um, okay okay how about you uh jay it's funny because uh my answer is almost going to be the opposite of bobby's i probably my favorite is uh uh woody woodgate um, and because he's always in the background, obviously he's never really featured. He's just there backing the tracks with his beat. And I'm actually a drummer in a band on the side. And so I think I just have, I can relate to him from that standpoint that even when I play in a band, I'm just in the background doing my thing. I don't need the limelight at all, but I'm always there doing my best. I guess the very last question then um, would be, do you have a message for either the band as a whole or any particular message uh, for, for an individual member of the band? Anybody have a message that they want to get out to the band? I would like to tell the band Madness, thank you for staying together all these years. That is my main message to them. Thank you for staying together and thank you for continuing to play. I'm gonna have simply, to it's, it's thank you for just giving us so much happiness. I yeah, I'm gonna have, say thank you for making some of the hardest uh, parts of my life bearable and for bringing me and so many other people so much joy. I would thank them, I think, uh, as far as just constantly evolving and changing as a band, keeping all their fans happy and they just need to come across the pond a little more often to the States. Um, I would echo something that Lori mentioned earlier, which is um, come, come to some other cities in the United States, guys, because uh, if you, I'm gonna steal from that Field of Dreams movie, right? If you build it, they'll come, is that what they say? So if you, are, if you, if you come to other places in the United States, we will fill those arenas or those venues. We will fill them with fans because they're here. All right, folks. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode. And thanks to everybody who participated. And it would appear that we are on to Mad Not Mad for the next episode. So look for that in about two weeks time. And Lori and I will go track by track and talk about it all. Yes, one of your favorites, isn't it, Polly? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that episode. Um, <laughs>
Thank you so much to everybody who came today for our guest chat. Bobby, Mo, Diane, Jay, Kathy. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for participating and telling us your stories. Um, I'd like to end this episode with a version of Our House. This is called the People's Palace version. A lot of American fans might not know this version, except for maybe that Scott's uh, lawn commercial. That's where this was used. But I thought this was a good, good note to end it on. So everybody, hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you. Take care. See you in two weeks. Goodbye from me. And goodbye for me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. Father wears his Sunday best. Mother's tired, she needs a rest. The kids are playing up downstairs. Sister's sighing in her sleep. Brother's got a date to keep. He can't hang around. Our house, it has a crowd. There's always something happening and it's usually quite loud Our mum, she's so house proud And nothing ever slows her down A mess is not allowed Our house In the middle of our street Our house In the middle of our Middle of our